a blessed day again. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, it brings me great joy, pleasure, and to me it's a privilege to be encouraging all of you regarding how should we deal during this time of crisis. I call this the pandemic COVID-19 crisis. Our theme has been joy in the crisis. How can you have joy in the midst of crisis? In the past weeks, we've been talking about we are to be joyful. Last Sunday, we talked about rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. This is a reminder that God wants us to be joyful. He commands us to be joyful. Not just to be joyful. To be joyful all the time. So you can see that joyfulness is more than just emotions. It's a choice. It's right thinking about who God is. Focus on God. Focus on what He has done. Counting your blessing. And last Sunday, we also talked about the importance of not worrying. Because last Sunday, we talked about standing firm. You cannot stand firm if you don't rejoice. If you have not learned to rest in the Lord, so the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing. Grammatically, it means stop worrying. In other words, the Philippians believers were already worrying. And Paul said, stop worrying. I don't know how you are. I don't know if you're worried. But in case you are worried, I have good news for you. The Bible says you don't have to worry. Instead of worry, the Bible says you can have joy, you can have peace. That's why Philippians chapter 4, verse 6-7 tells us, Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious, but by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Today, I want to share with you how can you maintain this kind of emotional balance of joy, peace, thankfulness. What's the key? He tells us, you've got to think right. Everybody, turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, think right. What do we mean by think right? Well, let's look at the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. That's the text for today. Finally, brethren, finally. In other words, he's saying, after telling you not to worry, be joyful, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I want to focus on the primary verb of verse 8. The main verb is dwell from the Greek word logizomai. Not this from the word logic. This is a command. The command is you keep thinking. You keep dwelling. The word logizomai has the idea of a business word. You calculate. This word is used to describe you ponder. You meditate. You keep thinking. About what? Notice. He's saying you need to keep thinking on these things. What are these things? Well, these things 
apparently are all adjectives describing, if you ask me, the character of God and Jesus Christ. But before I describe to you, before I describe to you what you have to think about, let me just share with you why this message is so important. The discipline of the mind. You got to think right. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Notice, you are to watch over your heart. So what does it mean to watch over your heart? So the different English translation conveys the following. Carefully guard your thoughts. Guard what you are thinking. Be vigilant, for they are the source of true life. In other words, what you think is going to affect your life. Another translation, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. This is one of the great discoveries of the late 20th century. What is this discovery? That your thinking will impact your emotion and your emotions will impact your actions. I call this the T principle. What is the T principle? T-E-A, think right. Your thinking is going to affect your emotions. And your emotions are going to affect your actions. It's a good reminder of the power of your thoughts. Y the way you think, how you think, is going to affect your emotions. And your emotions is going to affect your actions. I don't know if many of you know the story of Romeo and Juliet written by Shakespeare. But it is a story that can teach us many lessons. Romeo, when he heard that Juliet died, even though she did not die, Romeo committed suicide. He took poison. Why? In his mind, Juliet died. Even though Juliet did not die. My whole point is, the power of your thought life. It can be something not true. It can be something false. But that false narrative will impact your emotions. It will impact your actions. Juliet, when she woke up, she realized her boyfriend, Romeo, was dead. What did she do? She too committed suicide. What was she thinking? In her mind, without Romeo, life is useless. There's no purpose. The power of what you think. I pray that today you'll see the importance of assuming responsibility for your thought life. You have to think right. If you don't think right, there will be consequences. Because your thinking will impact your feelings, your emotions. And your emotions will impact your actions. Have you come to a point in your spiritual life where you begin to realize my thought life is very important. It is one of the most neglected discipleship principle. The discipline, the practice of guarding your mind of thinking right. No wonder 
Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, tells them, Whatever is true. What does that mean? To understand what is true, the opposite of true is lies. So Paul is saying, begin by thinking what is true. Truth is most crucial. Whatever is honorable. What is the opposite of something honorable? Shameful. Notice these are all positive thoughts. But it begins with truth and then honorable. What is right? What is the opposite of right? Something that's wrong. These are all adjectives. And if you ask me, they describe the very character of God and of Jesus. God will always do something right. Whatever is pure. The idea of this word pure is from the word hagios, holy. The opposite of purity is what? Something that's immoral. Something that is not pleasing to God. Whatever is lovely. What is the opposite of lovely? Or being beautiful? Defiled? Corrupted? Don't think of these things. Think lovely thoughts. Notice, of good repute. Good repute, what does it mean? Well, the idea of encouraging, inspiring, versus something that's always critical. And then it says, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise. These are wonderful, positive thoughts describing Jesus. He is excellent. He is worthy of praise. So these are positive thoughts. So, my question is, what enters your mind? When you think of God, when you think of yourself, when you think of people, let me give you an example of the importance of thinking right. Think right. Think the best of others because it will impact your relationship. I remember some time ago, it was, I believe, my birthday, and my children are, have all grown up and they live in different places. And I would receive a phone call, a text message greeting me. But there was one particular daughter that did not greet me. And would you believe it? I began to have vain imaginations. I began to think, huh, maybe she really does not love me that much anymore because all my children greeted me without realizing that my birthday is one day ahead of her calendar. But I decided not to judge. I decided not to come to any conclusion. I have learned to have a suspense file. If I don't understand something, I don't jump to conclusion. Praise God, the next day, I received a long distance call. And my daughter said, happy birthday, daddy. I remember I was texting a CCF member. I texted him, sent him a message, called him, no reply. No response. 
again, I began to have vain imagination. I was thinking, is this brother angry at me? Did I do anything? Well, the Apostle Paul said, you be careful what enters your mind. Give others the benefit of the doubt. By the grace of God, because of practice, I decided not to jump to conclusion. I decided to put it on a suspense file. A suspense file is something that you don't understand. Relationship with people, relationship with children, even issues with God, you don't fully understand. You don't judge. You say, Lord, I don't understand this. I place it in a suspense file. Would you believe it? When I met the person, I said, brother, I texted you. I called you. There's no reply. And he said, what? Then he told me. He never got the call. He never got the message. And I began to investigate further. My friend, the truth is, he did not get the call. He did not get the message. Now, how in the world did that happen? My friend, all I'm saying is, think the best of others. Because it will impact your emotions, your feeling. I want you to realize this is a discipline you need to practice. Thinking right, it says, dwell on these things. Notice he continued, the things you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In these two verses, you have two important verbs. The first one is a command to dwell. Make sure you think properly of what is true, what is correct. The next one is you make sure you practice. This is a command. Grammatically, it is in the present tense. Keep on practicing. And then it tells you, as you practice these things, what will you experience? You will experience the God of peace, the very presence of the God of peace. That is the secret of the Christian life. You must think right. It begins with what you think. Now, most of us are never trained to think right. In fact, no one has ever, ever warned you that you got to guard your thinking, your thought life. For example, mothers, fathers, you are so careful of what your children will eat. You are careful of your diet. You want to make sure the food is clean. You want to make sure what your children eat is healthy, especially with this COVID-19. I see people washing vegetables. I'm, I know people, they are so particular in making sure the food is clean, the food is healthy. Why? Because there are consequences. And yet many of us do not focus on what enters the mind of our children, what enters your own thinking. Why? Because you have not been trained. To think right is so crucial. As physical food will impact your physical health. The way you think will impact your spiritual health and eventually your physical health. To me, this is even more important to think right because it has immediate consequences, but many times it has long-term consequences. And at times, the consequences may not be immediate. So we become careless with what we think. Many Christians are lazy 
in terms of the discipline of the mind. They just allow movies, Netflix, whatever people are saying to influence their thinking. No, no, you need to be critical. You need to be careful. Therefore, what must you do? Well, you must realize to think right, to think right, the most important is you think right about God. When you think right about God, you will learn to think right about yourself. You will learn to think right about others. And above all, you learn to think right about circumstances. But today, I want to focus on you've got to think right about God. It is foundational. Why? Let me tell you. The Bible tells us there is a warfare ongoing. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. The Bible says, even though we walk in the flesh, even though we live in the flesh, human body, but we do not war according to the flesh. There's a warfare ongoing, but it is not physical warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. It has to do with the destruction of fortresses. What do you mean by fortresses? Fortresses can be translated as strongholds. Strongholds are ideas in your mind that have somehow, it is now stuck in your mind. You are now in a rut. You are now enslaved to those kinds of thinking, which may not be true but it is affecting you. It has become a fortress. So you need to correct wrong thinking. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Notice the focus against the knowledge of God. That is foundational. What enters your mind when you think of God? Is it something good? Is it something not good? That's most important. And he's saying, we are taking every thought captive. That is our responsibility. You are to take every thought captive. Assume responsibility for what goes on in your mind. Think right. Can you turn to your family members and tell them, think right? The word think right Dwell on these things is a command. It is present tense. Keep on thinking right. Keep on. Don't give up. 24-7. Guard your thought life. Why? There's a warfare. Satan wants us to believe what is not true. That's the only way he controls us. Through lies. The Bible is clear. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes. Satan has many schemes. His primary strategy is to lie to you. How does he lie to you and to me? Through our mind. I was asking a brother, why did you commit suicide? By the way, the idea of committing suicide is nothing new. It's now epidemic. Don't be embarrassed when those thoughts enter your mind, but I would like you to know something. Those thoughts are from the devil. Why? The devil tells you your case is hopeless. The devil tells you 
The only way out is to commit suicide. It all begins in the mind. And you think it's coming from you. It is not coming from you. The devil is real. In Matthew 16, when Jesus was talking with Peter, Jesus told Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are after man's interest and not God. Why? Because Peter was telling Jesus, you should not die on the cross. Peter had no idea that Satan was influencing him. You see, Satan planted those ideas in the mind of Peter. And then Peter vocalized those ideas to Jesus. But Jesus knew the truth. He was discerning. He was on guard. And he immediately rebuked the thoughts of Peter. He said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are after man's interest and not God. The weapon of Satan is all about lying. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He, the devil, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. Here, Jesus is now exposing to us the reality of warfare. Jesus is telling us the devil is a liar. He is the father. He is a liar and the father of lies. And that's how he gets to us. Ladies and gentlemen, you begin to see the importance of knowing the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will not distinguish any thoughts that enters your mind, whether it is true or not true. I remember I have a classmate. When we were taking up our master's degree, he was an NBI agent. He was a lawyer, an accountant, and now he's taking up his MBA. I asked him, how do you detect counterfeit money. And this is what he explained to me. He said, we are sent to the Central Bank of the Philippines. For one week, we do nothing except touch and feel the real money. Why? By focusing on the truth, the moment we touch something that is not true, we will know. In other words, the key, the antidote, for overcoming the lies of Satan is knowing the truth. That's why Jesus tells us, be careful, Satan is a liar. Examples of his lies. As early as the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, you have Satan lying. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Do you notice? Satan's strategy is to lie. He wants us to doubt the word of God. Did God really say, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Is that really what God is telling you? To cast doubt. Eventually, Satan lied. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. Notice, from the fruit 
of the trees of the garden. There were many trees in the garden. She was correct. We can eat. Notice, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. Or touch it, or you will die. Now, of course, the woman exaggerates. She added the word, touch it. The Bible tells us God warned Adam and Eve, don't eat of the fruit of the tree because you will die. God was very clear. What did Satan do? Notice, the first recorded statement of Satan is lying. Satan wanted Eve to doubt God. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Did God really say that? You surely will not die. That's a lie. God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Do you notice? It's all questioning the character of God. Satan is a liar. He wants you to question the goodness of God. Just look at what's happening in your mind. Every time you are faced with a trial, with a temptation, you will notice this is the same pattern. Is that in the Bible? Is that really what God is saying? And then, pretty soon, Satan will tell you, no, no, that's not true. It's not wrong. You do it. Everyone is doing it. You can do it. And then, pretty soon, Satan will tell you, God does not love you. He's, he doesn't want you to be happy. So he will cause you, and he will cause me, to doubt the goodness of God, and that's how people turn away from God. It all begins with lies in the mind. You know, I always like to expose the enemy. And I always like to use the word, the Chinese character for the word devil. The Chinese word for the devil is a combination of different words. The first word is a combination of two trees. Notice how the Chinese character describes the devil. This is for covering, hiding in the two trees, in the garden, this is the word for garden, secretly talking. This is the word for secretly whispering to a man. This is the word for a man. Notice the character for the devil. Hiding behind two trees in the garden, whispering to the man. Today, the devil is doing the same. He keeps on whispering. He keeps on telling you, God does not love you. God is not good. And that's why I submit to you, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what is not true, to believe the lies of Satan. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. You need to know the truth. But once knowing the truth, you need to accept it. You need to believe it. That's why the Bible tells us the antidote for spiritual warfare is, everybody, let's read. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. Again, Romans chapter 12 is an amazing passage. Do not be conformed. Do not copy the values of this world. Don't copy the opinion of people. They've been lied to. People can be sincere and sincerely wrong. You need to be discerning. Guard your mind. Think right. Just because you are sincere does not mean it is right. 
Remember my NBI friend? I learned a lot from him. He told me, one of his friends, a fellow NBI agent, was so thirsty, he opened the refrigerator and he drank in a bottle. And when he drank the water there, he died. And they soon discovered why. Because the bottled water was not marked poison. There was no marking. He thought it was water. It was not. It was an exhibit of poison to be used. But the guy did not yet put the marking. Friends, you can be sincere and sincerely wrong. You see, wrong thinking will not excuse you, will not protect you from the consequences of wrong ideas. That's why the Bible tells us you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, just like the computer, when I first studied computer years ago, we have this famous word, gigo. G-I-G-O. What is gigo? G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. Your mind is being filled every day with ideas, with thoughts. Some of them are true. Some of them are not true. But who is going to be responsible? You have to be responsible. I cannot think for you. You need to be discerning. That's why he's telling us, by the re renewing of your mind, you have to renew your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the secret is to renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? By putting in truth. That's why, if you remember in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate, notice, meditate, ponder, deliberate, dwell on it, meditate on it day and night, so that you'll be careful, notice, so that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then he gives you a promise. Then you will be prosperous, and then you'll have success. Do you know this? The secret all begins with right thinking. You must think of God's word. Meditate on God's word. You cannot think right in a vacuum. That's why Jesus tells us, you will know the truth. And he's talking about his word. Just by saying the same thing. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do it. But it all begins with the mind. Right thinking, right feelings, right emotions, and right actions. As you go through life, you need to think right. And how do you think right? Meditate on God's word. That's why we ask people, memorize God's truth. So that anything that is against the word of God, you will know. You can smell. You can feel. That's maturity. Guarding your thought life. Thinking right is spiritual maturity. Spiritual people who are mature are very discerning in what they allow to enter their mind. So, I want you to realize what Tozer said. 
What enters your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about God is the most important thing. Why? Because what you think about God will impact the way you think about yourself. What you think about God will impact the way you think of others. What you think about God will impact the way you interpret circumstances, problems. That's why I like us to learn the truth about God. Focus on knowing Him. And then when you begin to know Him, you'll begin to see what He has to say about your life, about my life. One of the things I want you to learn about God is this, that God is sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful. This is amazing. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. What can we learn about God? God is saying, there's no one else like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. In other words, God knows everything. God is all-knowing. And then the Bible tells us, my purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. God is all-powerful. He knows everything. What he wants done will get done. Many people don't have proper theology. In their minds, Satan is as powerful as God. They think Satan is the one causing all of this sickness and that God has nothing to do with it. Friends, if you have a small God, you have every right to be fearful. But can I tell you something? Everything that happens to this world, to your life, to my life, God is in control. God is sovereign. That is my comfort. I see my life in the hands of the Lord and that nothing will happen to me and nothing can happen to me apart from God's permission. Are you willing to believe that God is almighty? That God's purpose will be accomplished in your life? No people, no power, no evil forces can thwart God's purpose in your life. That's my comfort. The power of God is unimaginable. Last November, a group of CCFers, we went to visit Japan. We visited Hiroshima. And I was shocked, at the same time, surprised to see the power of an atomic bomb. It was in 1945, August 6, at 8.16 in the morning, when a bomb, they called that bomb Big Boy, was dropped 31,000 feet above Hiroshima. Then, before it landed, a couple of thousand feet above Hiroshima, it exploded. That thermal nuclear explosion devastated four square miles of the city. 66,000 people died 
Buildings were obliterated. They were burned. They were destroyed by the shock waves, by the heat waves. Such is the power of one atom. A nuclear submarine can stay underneath the water without refueling for 25 years. Such is the power that we have in one atom. Now, let me ask you a question. Who made this world? Who made the atoms? If one atom has such power, can I ask you a question? How powerful is God? You and I have no comprehension. And that's why I like you to have a proper view of God. It all begins with who God is. He is all powerful. He is not just a little more powerful than you, a little more powerful than Satan. No, no. God is all powerful. Nothing is impossible with him. He holds your hand. And then the Bible tells us God is not only powerful, God is perfect. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Why did I bring this together with God is all-powerful, all-knowing? Because I'd like you to know that God's way is always perfect. God will not make any mistakes. His ways are just. Whatever he will do will be perfect. It is just. It is right. In other words, you can trust him. This is such a comfort for my life. When I began to analyze and began to know God more, that God is not only all-powerful, but God is all-just. God is all-righteous. That God is perfect. He does not make mistakes. When He allows things to happen to my life, I know it is not a mistake. Why is this so important? Recently, I heard a couple of CCF members about the death of their family. I was talking to one member, and many of you have heard our sister, Peggy. She's a hardworking staff, one of our senior managers in CCF. We've been praying for her. She died. But before she died, she communicated with many of us. She kept telling us she's ready to go. In fact, her instruction was, I don't want any intubation. When I cannot breathe anymore, it's okay. But don't intubate me. She was ready to go. She had peace. She had joy. I talked to one of the family members who just lost his son. And now he lost his sister. I asked him, brother, how are you doing? Again, supernatural. He said, Peter, I have peace. I have joy. And the only reason why this is possible is the way they process calamities, problems, pain. Thinking, right thinking is so crucial. Because wrong thinking will give you wrong emotions. And wrong emotions will lead into wrong actions. But praise God for these people. I spoke to one of our staff this week. She was on leave for one week because her mother recently died. 
And I talked to her. I said, how are you doing? And then she said, Pastor Peter, I don't know how to explain this. I'm saddened that my mother passed away. But surprisingly, I have peace. I have joy. How is this possible? Friends, if you understand who God is, for example, the Bible tells us God loves us. Amazing. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. You know, God loves us. He not only loves us, He cares for us. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 84. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. In other words, God is a sun and shield. Do you know what that means? It's the source of life. The source of light. God is the source of our life. Shield. He is our protection. The Lord gives grace and glory. That is how God is. He gives us grace, something we don't deserve. God is after our best interest. Notice, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Notice I capitalized. The original word is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, Yahweh, the very name of God. Do you know that the Greek Bible translated this word Lord, the same word that they used to describe Jesus as Lord? Jesus is the Lord. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Bible tells us God is amazingly, not just powerful, he loves you. So how do you interpret bad things that should, should it happen to you? Well, let me first remind you, what do you think about God is so crucial? Because it will impact how you look at yourself. The devil would like to tell you, you know what? You are a failure. You are hopeless. I want to tell you something. In God's eyes, you are a child of God. In God's eyes, you are forgiven. In God's eyes, you are going to reign with him. So don't believe the lies of Satan. When God promised no good things will he withhold from us, it's a reminder that God loves you and he knows what is good for you. Perhaps you have been praying and asking God for something. If that thing has not yet happened, there are two possibilities, right? It is not God's time or it may not be that good for you. Let's talk about God's timing. I love this verse. As for me, I trust in you. You are my God. My times are in your hand. Notice, you need to rest upon God for his timing. Many times I'm very impatient. I want to encourage those men and women who are praying for their sons, for their children. You are praying for your parents and somehow your prayer request is not yet answered. Well, your theology will help you process it. God's timing. If you are single and you long for marriage, there's nothing wrong with desiring to be married. But are you willing to trust God by telling Him, Lord, you know my heart. 
if it's your will for me to marry, you know my desire. Help me meet the right person. I'm going to tell you something. If God wants you to get married, you will meet the right person. It's amazing. I was sharing with somebody this morning how to wait for God's best. Look at my wife, Diana. She could not run away from me. God brought her from the States all the way to the Philippines. And I was on my way to the States. God prevented me from going to the States. I stayed here. And right in the Philippines, unbelievably, but it happened. I met my future wife in a Christian gathering. Now, are you telling me it's all by chance? No, I have lots of stories to tell you. I love stories of my children, of my sons. It's all about God's timing. So, learn to wait upon God's timing. And don't be afraid of dying. Because when it is your time to go, I assure you, you will go. When it's time for me to die, it's, n- it's never going to be by accident. My times are in God's hand. A few years ago, one of our CCF doctors came to see me. And he said, Peter, I've looked at the x-ray and I want to tell you something. He said, will you please sit down? And he told me that his perspective is I have cancer. I have lung cancer. You will notice a few years ago I've been coughing. When I heard I have cancer of the lungs, my initial reaction was, this could not be happening to me. But you know, I have to process it. And the way I process it is this. The Bible says, in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. What I realized, my life is in God's hand. How long I'm going to live? What does he want me to accomplish? It's all in God's hand. And if God wants to take me home, because my work is finished, because the Bible says, the days that were ordained for me. Well, I said, Lord, I'm ready to go. God gave me amazing peace. When I told my wife about my cancer, that night, my wife cried. I cried a little. I realized my life, my future, lies in the hand of the Lord. And because of my theology, because I know that God is in control, God loves me, and He wants what's best for me, I can rest. Because, because of who God is, how do you look at circumstances? If God is almighty, if God loves you, if God cares for you, and if God wants what's best for you, how should you respond when you have difficult circumstances? Well, let's look at the Bible. We know that in all things, God works for good to those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In other words, God is saying, are you willing to trust me? That we know God causes all things. In all things, God works for good. 
when God allows something to happen to us, are you willing to trust Him? That is going to cause it for good. That's the amazing truth about God. And then God tells us, the good is not always the good that you want. Because it has to do with our character. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Notice, what is good? What is good is God's purpose for our lives. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. God's ultimate objective is for us to be like His Son. God is preparing you to spend eternity with Him. God is preparing you, preparing me to go to heaven. He wants to mold our character. You got to think right. You have to think right, beginning with God. And then you can think right about your circumstances, about people. The Bible tells us, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, COVID-19, joblessness, no money. What can separate us from the love of Christ? What is the answer? Do you notice to think right? You think right about God, about Jesus. Do not interpret God based on circumstances. You must interpret circumstances based on who God is. Because God is assuring us we are more than conquerors. He tells us, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. Paul is so convinced that nothing can separate us. Paul is saying, neither death nor life. Angels, nor demons, nothing, present or future, nor powers, nothing, nor height, nor depth, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. My friends, God loves you so much. He's saying, I will take care of you. But notice where this love is. The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think right about God. Think right about Jesus. And Paul tells us, The things you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things. You will notice, the Apostle Paul reminded them, you must think right. You must dwell on these things. Keep on thinking right. And then he tells them, you must practice. Practice these things. Because Paul was a model. Notice, you want to be effective in teaching people. Paul is saying, the things that you have learned and received. Learn what you have heard, what you have seen. You must receive it. What you have heard, what you have seen in me. This is called modeling. Paul modeled what he taught them because Paul was in prison. Paul was about to die. He was in prison. 
And yet he was full of joy because Paul is somebody who is not a hypocrite. He practiced what he preaches. He's saying, practice these things. What are these things? All of the above. Rejoicing. Don't worry. Keep praying. Dwell on these things. He said, finally. So Paul wants us to practice. He wants the Philippians to practice. Why? Because it is by practicing that this becomes a habit. And many Christians have a bad habit of mental health. You always think of negatives. You always focus on the problems. You focus on doubting the promises of God. He's saying, change it. Begin to saturate your mind with truth. So how do you practice? Every time you have negative emotions, you must stop and ask yourself, why am I feeling bad? You see, emotions are triggers. Negative emotions is a reminder you are not thinking right. So make it a habit. I praise God for my wife, for my children. They keep reminding me. Negative emotions, check what you are thinking. And this is so true in my life. That's how I'm able, by the grace of God, to keep on having joy. I guard what enters my mind. I think right. And the Bible says, practice these things. Notice the promised blessing. And the God of peace. The God of peace. You will experience the very presence of God. The intimacy of God. The joy of God. The peace of God. And it's all yours. It's given. But you have to assume responsibility. And that responsibility, nobody can take your place. You have to think right. And how do you think right? You have to be aware there's a battle. You have to be discerning. And you have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, if you don't know the Bible, how will you think right? What will you think? If this message has been very meaningful to you, I'd like to invite you to visit us in the link below. We will tell you how to continue learning, visiting our sites. Because the Christian life needs practice. You need to grow. Let's bow our heads and pray. If you are struggling with your thought life, if you are struggling with addiction to pornography, with negative thinking, with discouragement, I have good news for you. Starting today, I want you to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of deliverance. It's a prayer of coming to Jesus. You pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need to be set free from wrong thinking. My mind is enslaved to negative thoughts, to sinful thoughts, to pornography, to bitterness, to doubt. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I ask you to transform my life through the transformation of the way I think. So Lord Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you are good. I believe that you love me. And I believe that you want what's best for me. I surrender to you my life. 
Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess. I'm a sinner. I now invite you as my Lord and my Savior. I accept you. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. If you pray that prayer, let us know. Click on the space below. If you need to chat with somebody, if you want to talk to somebody, if you want to know, want to know more information, click in the space below and we'll be happy to converse with you.